hello and welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. My name is John Caesar and I think I finally found what you all want to hear. <laughs> uh, I did one episode on our processes and it was overnight the most listened to episode of all of my episodes so far. So I think, uh, I think this is what you guys want to hear. Uh, so we're going to keep going. Uh, this episode we are going to talk about our training and review process. Um, but uh, there was there was a connecting piece between hiring and training that I wasn't sure if I should put it in the hiring episode or this episode. So it's going to go in this one because I didn't do it last time. And that is the interview, right? Uh, the interview could be counted or should be counted as part of the hiring process. But for us, that's really where the training starts, right? You get somebody in, they want to come in and apply for a job with you. Honestly, how many of those people actually know what a chimney sweep is? Or what we actually do, right? You ask most people what a chimney sweep is, and they're going to think of Mary Poppins, right? They're going to picture Bert. Well, some, I guess I should say, because uh, as we're hiring more and more uh, of the younger generation, maybe like 25 and under, they don't actually know who Bert is, which is a whole different story. Don't get me started. <laughs> but most people don't know what a chimney sweep actually does. And if they do, they think we do a song and dance and wear a top hat. And that, that's about as far as they know. So our training really starts at the interview. When someone comes in and sits down, we, you know, of course, we talk about them, uh, we ask about their experience, but then we switch to what they're in for, I guess you could say. And it's really, it's not even something that we can just talk about. We actually show it to them. <laughs> I have a slideshow that we made, which outlines what our job really is. And I just took a bunch of pictures of us over the years doing various things. Um, and really, it's to to prepare them. And I've heard, I heard a lot of people talk about people that will show up interview, uh, sound really good, sound really excited, uh, go out into the field and after a day or two, maybe within the first week, they quit. Just don't show up. Like, yep, that's not for me. Sorry, I, I can't do it. Bye. And of course, they like to to crap all over these people, but I'm thinking they weren't prepared. They didn't actually know what they were getting into. They thought they were going to sing and dance and have fun. And all of a sudden they're sitting on a 12 pitch, uh, you know, throwing a liner down. <laughs> it's just that that's not what they signed up for. So we learned that early on. We had the same share of people coming in and not really working out, not really knowing what they were in for. So we put together the slideshow. And all that is, uh, you know, we start out kind of basic. Here's our company. Here's when we started. Here's our service area. And here's what we're going to do. And we show pictures of sweeping chimneys, obviously. But then we transition into this is what we really look like. And then we show liners, rebuilds, you know, the actual work they're going to be doing. And then we show pictures of really tall roofs we've been on. Uh, we show pictures of, you know, thousand brick rebuilds and up, you know, we had to bring all of those bricks up this ladder onto the scaffolding, onto the roof, kind of, you know, spell it out for them, make it huge because it is <laughs> the, what we do is not easy. And we want to show them that day one. I mean, these people aren't even hired yet. They just applied and we're showing them thousand brick rebuilds and boom lifts, right? <laughs> like this is what you're signing up for. And the first thing is to prepare them, obviously, but the second is to inform them. Maybe they weren't really sure what it was. Maybe this is something that's really uh, piqued their interest, right? Maybe they have ex a uh, construction experience and they've never really thought about applying it in the way that we use it. Who knows? But you're going to inform them, one, of what we do. Even if you don't get hired by Caesar Chimney, you're going to leave knowing what a chimney sweep is and what we go through <laughs> at a minimum. The third thing is we, we kind of scare them, honestly. I want to. It's not a bad thing. You don't want to sugarcoat it. This isn't a job where you can show up and just kind of skate by. I'm going to show them things like 
small crawl spaces, uh, dirty fireplaces. Sometimes we're in the smoke chamber. Sometimes we're under the fireplace, you know, or sometimes we're in the attic. Show them these things. This is what we're going to expect of you. You're not just going to get dirty. Everybody says, must be willing to get dirty. Yeah, that's great. That sounds like you're digging a hole. <laughs> Anybody can dig a hole and get a little bit of dirt on them. Show them a picture when you were covered head to toe in soot. I have like 10 of those pictures from all myself and all my different employees. Show them that. It's not just dirty. I'm going to ask you to put your face in a fireplace and scrub it with everything you can an inch from your face. Like that's that's a thing that we do. Show them when uh, I have a picture of us taking a chimney down through a house and I had one of my technicians in a three by three hole inside these people's walls taking this chimney out piece by piece. Show them that. I showed them sketchy roofs we were on. I was like, this was not our most favorite job. Uh, this, you know, it's rare, but it happens and show them what they're in for liners and rebuilds and scaffolding and everything and then at the end of it they'll have an idea I actually had one kid it was funny he came in for the interview and I asked him all the normal questions you know uh, do you have any experience he's like yeah I got tons of experience on roofs not scared of heights I'm like okay you know what have you done well my I think it was like his uncle or dad or somebody owns a roofing company and I've helped him out up there I'm like good so you've, you've worked on roofs like not just carried stuff up oh yeah not a problem good I'm like all right this kid's gonna work out turn around, start the slideshow, and I go through the whole thing talking about it. Finished the slideshow, and I turned back around and looked at him, and his eyes were white, mouth just hanging open. And I was like, so what do you think? And <laughs> this is one of my favorite quotes of, of any interview. His eyes still bugged out. He goes, you know, I, th I think I just realized I am scared of heights. <laughs> I said, okay, it was nice to meet you. Have a great day. Right? That you don't get that if you don't scare them on the first day. That kid who thinks he's good at heights, thinks he's done it before, right? He's carried a, a bundle of shingles up on maybe a two pitch and he's done it, so he thinks it's it's all there is to being on a roof. And then he sees the pictures of what we've done. All of a sudden he's scared of heights. That's a kid that would have quit day one when he sees what we ask of him. So inform him, prepare them, scare them. That that's part of the interview process. So many people think you need to quiz them. It's all about the interviewee and you got to grill them for information it was a post uh in on one of the groups maybe like a month ago somebody's asking about interview questions it was a good post and i was reading through it and there was some good information in there but i was noticing a lot of the questions were geared at the interviewee which they should be of course you want to do background checks you want to make sure that you're you know who you're hiring obviously but there was questions like are you good on a roof can you read a tape measure can you keep up was one of them i thought that was funny and <laughs> if those are the questions that you would ask me, if you were hiring right now and John Caesar from back in the day walked in and interviewed with you, you would not have hired me. True story. I started doing this just as a side, not a side job, like something to pass the time because I was going to be a police officer. So this was just something to make some money in the meantime. I didn't ever see this going into a career or a business or a podcast or anything. This was literally a summer job for me to pass the time. I had no idea what I was in for. I signed up and I'm like, chimney sweeping, sweet, let's do it. And I still tell the story that one of the first times I went out to sweep a stove, that's all he said, we're going to sweep a stove. And I'm like, right. He goes, grab the brushes. I said, okay. Walked in the front door and I took a beeline for the kitchen. Standing by myself, I'm looking around like, where is everybody? And my boss and the homeowner are standing in the living room like, hey, we're in here. I'm like, who has a stove in the living room? Like, that's how much I knew about being a chimney sweep. I was not prepared. I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> but then we started actually doing the job. I was terrified. 
to this day, I'm still scared of heights. I just have to have more control. <laughs> I don't like heights. It's not for me, honestly. So for the first, I think it was two, three months I was working with this guy, he would do all the work on the roof and I would just stand on the ground and get him all the stuff he needed, right? Like most people hire their first helpers. That was me. I was a helper my first three months. Get the ladder, get the tools, mix the mortar, lay the tarps, all the you know, basic stuff. When he wanted stuff brought on the roof, I would bring it up the ladder. I got good at climbing the ladder with, you know, holding something in my hand and bringing it up. I'd set it on the roof and that was it. I was not leaving that ladder. I would stand there with both hands on the top rung and I would stand there and watch. I wanted to see at least what he was doing as close as I was willing to get. But that's as close as I was willing to get was the top rung of the ladder. I am not setting foot on this thing. I can't even skateboard. My balance is terrible. Like it's not, (laughs) it was awful. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, he's doing a really good job, but I'm never going to do that. You're not ever going to get me up there. Long story short, I did. (laughs) But for the first three months, I didn't. Right? So asking people, can you read a tape measure? You're good on a roof. You're not getting any information. Most people lie in their interviews anyway. Let's be honest, right? I hired a kid, I think it was two, three years ago. We were just talking about him today, actually. Came in in the interview, clean cut, well-dressed, buttoned up, collared shirt. And yes, sir. And absolutely. Very hard worker. It's great. And and people, whatever. He said everything I wanted to hear. And I was raving about him. I went back and I told management. I was like, guys, I found one. I found that diamond in the rough. This kid's going to kill it. And they're like, oh, and I talked him up the whole weekend. I interviewed him on Friday. Monday morning came and he was showing up for his first day. Within 10 minutes of this kid walking in the door, he was a completely different person than the person I interviewed. Night and day. And I've been talking him up to everyone, like, wait till you see this kid, and here he is, foul-mouthed this, and lazy that, and he's just completely different than what I saw in the interview room. And now everybody's looking at me. This is who you excited us for? This is what we're looking forward to? Great. And I'm like, that's not who I saw. Because that's what an interview is. Everybody feels they need to put this big fake face on and and impress each other just to find out later that none of it's true. (laughs) So fix that. You be the one to lead with the truth. Hey, here's what you're in for. Dirty, tight spaces, tall roofs, back-breaking work half the time. You're going to hate your life most. I tell people that this job sucks. The only thing going for you is that we have a really good time doing it. Like, be honest with them. But don't base everything off of, can you read a tape measure? Give me a break. I mean, come on. You're not going to get a lot of people that have ever done this job before, let alone done it really well. (laughs) So the interview is more of an audition for me. I'm like, hey, here's what I'm offering you. Do you want to try? Are you excited about it? And some people are, some people aren't. But this goes back to last week. If If you're going into this where you need somebody tomorrow because you haven't been hiring or you haven't been advertising that you're hiring year-round all the time, if you lost somebody or need somebody and you're, you're up against it and the first person in the door has a pulse and you're like, okay, great, you can read a tape measure, get in the van. You're not going to often get that employee you're looking for. And that's where the frustration comes from. And I'm preaching to the choir again because I did this for years. Oh, you have a pulse? Great, let's go. I've already told you all my horror stories about the people I've hired. So you get the picture. Once we realized that the interview was our chance to start training them from day one, everything changed. Because now day one, they show up and they're ready to lift things. Not just, can you lift 80 pounds? What does 80 pounds look like? I can lift 80 pounds, put it in a bag full of sand that's awkward to hold. Let's see you lift it now as it's spitting mortar all over you as you carry it up the ladder. Like that's not just, can you carry 80 pounds? Ask them. I used to put on a little mini boot camp sometimes in the 
interview. Hey, let's go out in the bay. You say you can lift 80 pounds. You say you're good on a roof. Cool. Here's a ladder. Then here's 10 bricks and a uh, set of tongs. Let me see you carry them around. Let me see you carry this cinder block. Let me see you carry this flute tile. Let me see you climb this ladder and put this flute tile on that shelf. Try them out. Don't wait until they're at a customer's house and then throw a bag of mortar on their shoulder and say, all right, climb that 32 foot ladder. (laughs) You're asking too much. You're expecting too much. So lay it all out in the interview. That's day one for their training. Assume they're already going to take the job and just pour into them right there. But that's not how I was trained. Like I said, I <laughs> day one for me was get in, sit down, shut up, foot my ladder. And I'm actually not kidding. Those are really, really close to the words I was told. I was told just get in, sit there, keep quiet, do not talk to my customers and just do what I say. That was day one. And it is for a lot of other people. The more I talk to people, that's our training. <laughs> and we, we're complaining that we can't get these good employees. Why do nobody wants to work? Nobody wants to work under those conditions, right? That's not a job. That's a glorified servant is what you're looking for. Kids, uh, when I say kids, God, I'm getting old. <laughs> this generation, actually nobody, really nobody wants to work under those conditions. That's just not nice. But that's the way I was trained and I stuck it out. I'm not really sure why. Funny thing is, that's how I trained my first employees too, right? It just kept going. I didn't break the cycle early on. So my first employees learned the same way. Hey, thanks for signing up. Here's your shirt. Here's a flashlight. Get in the van. Let's go. We got a sweeping to get to. I I guess that's normal when you're smaller, when you got like one van and that's, you know, you're, that's all you can do really, right? So it worked until it didn't work. So that's where I'm going with this is once you, I mean, I, I don't think that's the right way to do it. Even if you have one employee, one van, you should still do more than the bare minimum. As you start to grow, you have to. And I figured it out the hard way because it's not scalable. Honestly, you can't just keep expecting people to jump in and follow along and learn by osmosis. It's not going to happen as you, as you try to grow. When I got to two, three vans, I was still training that way. It was just get in and follow along, keep up. And if you have any questions, ask them when, you know, we're not busy. And it's, it, I say it worked. <clears throat> it didn't really work long term because I lost a lot of people. I had employees come through that I can think of right now that probably would have stuck around and made it if they were trained better. So it worked, but it still even didn't. But I had this, uh, this one kid got hired. I think we were at two or three bands at this point. We were still in my house too, which is part of the story. Um, he was a month in and we had this one lead that came and he's the lead I talked about last episode that was supposed to replace me and be this be all end all with more certification and more experience. So I thought this is perfect. I got the most experienced guy in the company with the newest guy in the company. And they came in on a Saturday, to do some extra work. And I said, all right, you guys got some sweepings, go out and do it. Fine. Have a good day. And that should have been it, right? Well, they don't get back to my house until like six o'clock at night. And when they come in, all I hear is screaming. When I say screaming, like I thought there was a, a fist fight going on. I run down the stairs. And I'm like, what is going on? The new guy is screaming at the lead. I'm like, what is wrong? He turns and starts screaming at me. And I'm like, <laughs> he well, what he was upset about was they went to the first appointment. They had a fireplace and the experienced lead looked at the new guy and he goes, do you know how to sweep the fireplace? And he goes, uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've done a couple. And he goes, good, go sweep it. I'm going to go on the roof and do the inspection, which is normal, honestly, for how our operations go. What we didn't know is the new guy had swept some fireplaces, but was never really shown how to do it. So he goes inside, he sits down on the hearth and he tries to take the damper out and he can't get it out. 
And the homeowner just happened to be one of those guys that's standing over him watching the whole time. So now he's under pressure. He's fighting with it and he's fighting with it. And he can't get out and he's wrestling with it. And he's busting his knuckles and the homeowner's still standing there like, do you know what you're doing? It was a really awkward situation for him. Maybe 10, 15 minutes goes by. The lead comes in. He's like, why aren't you sweeping? Kind of gave him that attitude because like I said, this guy didn't work out for many reasons. That was one of them. But he gives him attitude. Now this technician has the homeowner staring at him. He has his co-worker slash supervisor staring at him and berating him essentially like what's wrong with you and he breaks down <laughs> he just starts losing it in the customer's living room and the lead doesn't know what to do he's like oh, okay and he jumps in and takes over for him and the rest of the day just went downhill from there and here we are with him screaming at me and him in my basement at six o'clock at night he was right that's the thing I took away from that. And I told him that. I'm like, you're absolutely right. Because what he was saying was, I was unprepared. You have not prepared me for this job. I wasn't ready. I was embarrassed. I was, I was, he was just losing his mind. And he's 100% right. You can't be sitting in someone's living room learning the job. You can't be sitting there expecting help and getting none. The lead was upset because he's going, you gave me this guy that doesn't know what he's doing. Like it was a whole mess. And it was due to my training style which had been up to that point, get in the van and follow along. <laughs> that only goes so far. So it was then that we decided to come up with a better training system. There had to be a better way than get in, sit down, shut up. <laughs> so, well, obviously there has to be. So we became intentional about our training. We started talking about what they needed to know and how to do it. And it was me and two other leads. And we were trying to, to figure this out. Uh, me personally, I was terrible at it. Once I actually started training in the field, terrible idea. Um, I don't know if it was just because I'm the owner or because I've got a little bit of ADHD and I can't stay focused. I'm not, I don't know what it was. All I knew was I was too busy to train. And they'd ask questions and it was always be at the wrong time. And I'd be like, okay, I'll tell you later. Just give me that tool. I got to go. I got to go. When I started to actually train, I remember sitting down with the technician. And I'm like, I'm going to show you how to sweep this fireplace. He's like, okay. And I was like, getting close. We're both sitting on the hearth. They're both right there. And I was like, now, First thing is this, and next thing is that, and he's following along step by step, and I'm like, I'm doing really good, good. And then I reach up, I'm sitting on in front of the fireplace, and I just reach my hand up inside the fireplace, and I was like, and then you take the damper out, and I pull the damper out and set it down. I'm like, now, next, and he goes, wait, what did you just do? <laughs> I was like, I took the damper out, like I said, stop asking stupid questions. <laughs> he goes, no how did you take that out? You just reached up and in there and it fell out in your hand. Like I have to get in there and like get my face on it and bite it. And he's like, well, how did you? I said, oh yeah. Okay. Well, I put the damper back in and then I said, well, okay, stick your head inside. Now watch, I'm going to push this. How did you? Okay. I'm going to hold that. No, don't hold it. And it became a, a whole process where now I was frustrated. I just wanted to move to the next step. I just wanted to say, okay, here's how you sweep the fireplace. I didn't plan on spending 15 minutes going over damper removal in this customer's living room with another appointment coming up. And it just, the problem started happening again because training is hard. Training is hard. There's so many little things that you do throughout the day that's not said. You just do it because you know you have to make other people understand everything from the big things down to the little things. And I mean little. Just connecting... Uh, for those who've ever done a, a wood stove liner, there's these black trim rings, right? They finish off nicely on the front of the, the hearth, but they don't really fit around the the snouts for the liners. They're like really, really tight. So there's a couple little tricks that I know to get that to go on first thing. Namely, you put it on before you connect it to the T. 
For those that aren't in chimneys, you probably have no idea what I just said, but go with me on this. You connect the part before you put it in the thimble to connect it to the T. And it's something I just learned early on because I got sick of fighting with the thing. You put it on backwards because the lip faces a certain way. This is really hard to explain over a podcast, but go with me. I never showed anybody that. I just, they would go out to the van, go get a tool, come back in and the snout's in and the collar's on and it just looks pretty. And they're like, okay, cool. We're done. Can we go home? I sent a guy out uh, after he would become a lead. I sent him out to do an easy liner. And when I say easy, it was a straight shot. There was no tile removal needed. It was a dream. I was like, this kid will be back in like two hours, maybe three, if he has some issues getting on the roof or something, right? Six hours goes by and he's still at the job. I'm like, what is going on? So I call him and I'm trying to be really nice. I'm like, what are you doing out there? And he's like, I have been fighting with this trim collar for an hour. And I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I cannot get it to go on. I think they gave me a bad one and it doesn't fit. And I'm having a really hard time. And I'm like, is it is it already connected? He's like, yeah, of course it's connected. And I'm over here fighting with it and I've dented it. And I'm going, oh God, I never showed him the little things. That's what training is. Training, if you don't understand that training is to make someone as good as you or better, then you're missing the point as I was. I thought I just needed to get them, you know, started. You know, kind of just get the engine idling and they'll just be able to take off from there. That is not training. My version of training that I realize works for us is I want everybody I train to be better than me. And that's hard nut for some people to to crack because ego gets in the way. You want to be the best. You're the owner. You're the top guy. You're the whatever. And I'm talking to everybody at this point because I've noticed this in my own company. I have that mentality. My management has that mentality. But then we create leads. And we say, okay, here's a technician. Go out there and do this job. They don't realize that their job is also to make that technician as good or better than them. That's what training is. Training is not follow me and do what I do. Training is not sit down and shut up and watch. That's not training. Once I start, once I realized my goal was to make my technicians as good as or better than me, it took off because you take on a different mindset about it. Like, oh, if you're going to be able to do this as good as I can, which is the goal, right? If you want to have people go out and do the job in your name, in your shirt, in your vehicles, as good as you, they literally have to be. I think we missed that a lot. I know I did for a long time. So training has to be super intentional and and get down to the nth degree with it. So they know what they're doing and why. Why is a big one that I'll cover in another episode. So that's when it started for me. I was a terrible trainer. I had to really, really work at it. My next goal was to build a training center, which we have. Um, This episode is not going to cover that because not everybody has a training center in their shop. And I get that. (laughs) That thing took years of of changing and adapting and working at it to grow it. It literally started with, I think it was six or seven cinder blocks that we had left over from a job and I just stacked them in a corner and I'm like, I'm going to show you how to break tiles. That was where it started because it was, I don't want to be on a roof training it. That's where a lot of this came from is training in someone's home is terrible. Time constraints, cleanliness. uh, Usually they're standing there watching, which makes it even weirder. So it's really hard to train someone at a job. And it was for us for a long time. I, I did it and then I would tell my other t- leads to do it. And they're like, this stinks. It's making my jobs longer. And it just, it went from there. I needed to find a way to train outside of the job. I'm like, Where am I going to do that? I, it's in my basement. So I started stacking cinder blocks in the corner of my yard. And that was my idea. I was like, what if I could get more cinder blocks? What if I could build a little mini fireplace? What And what if I just bought a damper just to show them how these parts go together? 
And it kept growing from there. We had some dented class A pieces that came in. I was like, you know what? We'll, we'll keep those. I'm not going to return them. We're going to keep them. We're going to put them together and have a dented class A that's put together, right? We did a rip and replace and it was on a chimney, a fireplace that really wasn't that damaged. The pipe was. So we had the, the fireplace itself we were able to keep and I kept it in the shop and I bought a couple extra pieces of pipe I could put on it. And that's how it started. I had a, just a, an area of my house slash shop eventually that was just full of leftover dented parts, broken cinder blocks and extra flue tiles and a ripped out fireplace. And we used it. I was able to show outside of a customer's home how to do certain things. And slowly the wheel started turning better. Slowly we got more efficient. Slowly the training wasn't so terrible in the field. And I'm going, this is, there's something to this. This whole get in, sit down, shut up doesn't work. But all of a sudden, here, watch me do this in the comfort of our shop under supervision with no time constraints. Magically, they were able to do it better. And that's where it came from. So you don't need a boot camp or a training center, essentially, yet. (laughs) We started with what we had. And it was very little. Six cinder blocks and some busted flue tiles we pulled out of a job. That was it. That was the beginning of Caesar Chimney's training. But the mentality was there of, I have to do this before they're in someone's house. And that's where the training starts. Our first day now, I always joke about, you know, that first day for me, our first day now, they don't even see a chimney. I don't think they come in, they do. We have another slideshow. Uh, They get one in the interview. They get one on their first day. And that slideshow is all chimney knowledge from day one. We get people, uh, you always see them laughing about, you know, chimney flutes and dampeners and we joke about it, but do something to fix it. Get that out there. I don't want that breeding or, or spreading day one. This is a flu. This is a crown. This is flashing. This is a mantle. Here's the difference between a hearth and a hearth extension. That's day one for our guys. I don't want them going out there half cocked, not knowing what they're doing. This is their job. This is their career now. They watch the slideshow, then the interview. They're okay with being here day one. We're going to pour into them. So day one is more training. Here's everything you're going to need to know about the parts of a fireplace. Here's what this is called. Here's what this goes. Here's what this part does. And of course, are you going to remember that from day one? No, but it's there. They've heard it. They've seen it. Now it's we can build on that. I went over in a previous episode about our forms. We got a ton of forms, vehicle use and drug policies and background checks and phone usage. All We have all these forms, but they sign all those day one. Um, they learn their safety gear. They get their PPE bag day one. And we let them know this is the most important thing you're going to get. All those sketchy roofs and boom lifts and that dust you saw flying around in all those videos and slideshows. This is how you protect yourself. And we tell them from day one, safety is the most thing. We don't just give them a flashlight. We give them a whole backpack full of harnesses and helmets and gloves and booties and ear protection, eye protection, all of it. Respir- like three different respirators. We have ma- uh, actual cloth masks, uh, half-face respirators, full-face respirators, anything. Like we tell them, this is to keep you safe while you do all the dumb things that we're going to make you do. So day one is just get them kind of comfortable. Even if you don't have any kind of a... Uh, a crazy boot camp or setup or anything like that, day one should still be kind of like that. Kind of get them used to the job. Don't expect somebody that's never heard of chimney sweeping to jump in your van with you day one and climb up this sketchy looking ladder onto this really steep pitch and go walk around. I mean, some will, sure. Will they last? I don't know. Some did for me, some didn't. But I tell you, they last better when when they're aware, when they're prepared, when they're informed from the beginning. 
So we end up, we do go through a boot camp. I'm sure I'll do an episode about that in the future sometime, but they get a week long training where they try to do everything that we do in the field in house. Then we get them in the field, right? Training stops for most people. That's the way it was for me. I was kind of given some kind of, I wasn't really given much, but when I got into the field, like there was no training, like just get to work. Now our system is, or our process, I guess, is our technicians are assigned to a lead for a week at a time. I came up with that because when it was just me and my other boss, we were stuck together forever and it was miserable after a while. You just kind of get sick of being with somebody long-term. But once again, when I started my company, I just kept on doing what I had been doing. And when I hired employees, they were stuck with me for a long period of time. And eventually you wear on each other's nerves. You just do. So I'm like, forever is too long. <laughs> then we tried switching out by the day, depending on the job. It kind of worked, but it was too much change to get any consistency. If a, if a tech is bouncing from van to van to van to van to van and lead to lead to lead, they're not, everybody's got a different way of having their tools and how they do things and their processes. So the techs were kind of, it was, it was chaos for them. They couldn't get comfortable if they bounced around every day. We thought about a month. That's still a little, little long. So we've settled on a week. That's just enough time, five days in a week to, to be with one of the other leads, see how they do everything. And then the next week you switch. The idea behind that is it takes a village to raise a child kind of thing. I could put one tech with one lead long-term, maybe a month or so, but what you end up with is a mini version of that lead for better or for worse. And I've had for worse and I've had for better. <laughs> you don't want to have that kind of luck happening out there. You don't want to base it on luck. You want it to be, you want them to learn from everyone. You don't want to have a mini version of any one lead because then you're just recreating good and bad habits, honestly. This way, if they go week by week, they get to see how this person handles sweepings and inspections and liners and rebuilds. And the next week, this person, they do the same kind of jobs. Before you know it, they've been with every lead and they've seen seven different ways of doing the same jobs. And they start to come into their own. We have a lot of things that are, that are normalized, but not every chimney, not every house, not every job is the same. So it's really hard to have a, an actual standard way of sweeping a fireplace, right? They're all different. So we let them kind of crowdsource their SOPs. Like they're going to do it these are the the broad parameters of what I expect, but then get it done as long as the house stays clean and the chimney works when you leave. Those are the, the goals, right? But the techs rotate through and learn from everyone. We have that posted on the wall. It's in the tech room when they come in. They know, oh, this is week two, so I'm with this person this week, and they see it. They also see the weeks coming up. Next week, I'm with this person, and they start looking ahead at the schedule. Oh, next week, he's got a rebuild. Oh, man, they're already planning their next week and what they're going to do and with who this week, right? So it kind of helps them get a part of it. They're not surprised every day at what they're going to be in for. And then we also have our floaters. Uh, that idea seemed to catch on quite a bit with a lot of you. Um, and like I, I said last week, that came out of an accident. <laughs> it was just a happy accident, but now we do overhire. Uh, depending on how many vans we have, we'll have a certain amount of extra technicians we've hired that can float around and create three, maybe sometimes four-man teams, depending on the job, which just leads to more training. We've done it a couple of different ways. Sometimes the floaters are the newest people, and they bounce around job to job to see how people do different jobs. Recently, we switched it where more experienced technicians are the floaters, and we put the newer technicians with floaters for, or I'm sorry, with technicians for a week at a time. 
That way, the more experienced techs can bounce around and help out where they're needed. So it it's worked both ways, really. However you want it to work could work for you. The trick, though, is at the end of each of those weeks, right? So you have technician A with lead A for the first week. At the end of that week, the lead is given a review. We came up with this review pretty much just based on what we were looking for in technicians, but we've tweaked it over the years. And let me pull it up here so I can actually read off it so I don't uh, misquote. But each lead is given this to review their technician for the week. How was their relations with others? How was their attitude? How was their judgment? Their dependability, their problem solving, their ability to learn, the quality of their work. How was their time management? How was their customer service, their punctuality? How good are they at following directions, their cleanliness? How were they in the morning? We have two there, in the morning and at the end of the day, right? In the morning, do they either go right to work and help everyone? That's five points. Or at the bottom, do they just stand around, play on their phone? That's a one. End of the day, same thing. Five points if you clean the, the van and help around the shop. One, if you just same thing, stand around and stare at your phone. Like we need to know because we're not around all the time. We're not in the jobs anymore. We're not in the vans anymore. We don't know what's actually happening. So this is our report card. So we have 14 uh, questions where you can get up to five points for the best. And then we have a 15th question, which is just overall rating. Give me an overall rating for this technician one to 10. Out of that, if you add that up to 14 five-point questions and the one 10-point question, you get 80 points. Then we created a quiz on top of that. This was interesting because we sat there and we're like, okay, when should we give a quiz? We decided on 30, 60, 90 days, and 120 days. We started writing the 30-day quiz and we wrote it, and I forget who actually read it. Somebody read it and went, there's no way that anybody after 30 days is going to know this. To me, that's like basic knowledge. I was like, this is like the, the easiest stuff to learn. And they were like, yeah, but do you, do you remember what it was like to be a month into this job? I didn't. I just told you at the beginning of this episode that I didn't barely leave the ladder for the first 30 days. I didn't know any of this stuff at 30 days. Who am I kidding? Right? So I had to remember what should someone know after 30 days? So we made it as, as simple as we could. Uh, I'll read some of the questions off here. Just the idea behind this is, is to see have they been paying attention, right? I already said day one, minute one of their job here at Caesar Chimney. They're sitting through a slideshow with all of the parts named of a chimney. Uh, a lot of the tools we use, a lot of the products we use, they're all named out there. And then they should have over the course of a month through four different leads seen or heard all of these things multiple times. So what's the area behind the damper where creosote and debris falls during the sweeping? Right? What's the name of the liner part that connects the stovepipe to the T? What's the name of the hole in the wall that leads to the flute? Right? Like we are, this is like baseline knowledge, right? What's the name of the material that goes where the chimney meets the roof to prevent water entry? Uh, what's the name of the passageway inside the chimney that vents out the gases? What is the byproduct of burning wood? Then what what part of a fireplace opens and closes access to the flue, right? These are just like baseline questions. We've also got some in here that are, are Caesar chimney specific. And I'm sure everybody has their own different way of doing things. What color is the drill bit for the quarter inch screws, right? I know I don't know if any of you have uh, heard about this little thing. I think some have. There's like a reversible uh, drill bit. You can switch it around from red to yellow. When I started, I was always just told red bit, yellow bit, red bit, yellow bit. 
I didn't learn for like maybe two or three years. They had numbers associated with them and that they're universal. No matter what screwdriver set or uh, socket set you get, they're going to have the same colors on them. And red is usually quarter inch and yellow is five sixteenths. So I kept saying red and yellow for years. And finally, somebody was like, can you just call it what it is? It's a five sixteenths bit. And I'm like, give me the yellow one. <laughs> it's just what I knew. Now we quiz them on it. What color, What size is the red? What size is the yellow, right? And then we even put in there what it's used for. The quarter inch is used for end caps, stovepipe, et cetera. The 516 is used for tap cons and easy collars and putting liner caps on. Like they should know at this point which color drill bit is used for what and what size it is. Uh, what, what else we got here? What must be taken out of the van and hung up at the end of every day? Batteries. We have four DeWalt batteries that are given to each van and we have the chargers hung up on the wall with the numbers attached to it. So van one has theirs and there's four slots for it and all the batteries have a one on it. So they match and they're supposed to hang those up at the end of every day. They don't. (laughs) There's so many days we come in, all the batteries are dead because they weren't hung up that day. So we put it in, we remind them. So that's at the end of the day. Another question is what must be taken out of the van and cleaned every morning? The vacuum really everything, but <laughs> the vacuums we're looking for are there. So we just remind them about what they've been told for a month. Uh, how many impact drills should be in every van? We keep two on every van and they should know that there's two of those drills. So it's really just a way of us reinforcing, but also checking in. Like, have you been paying attention? These questions are so basic that after 30 days of working here, you should know most of, if not all of these. We've had technicians come through and get five of these right. After 30 days of slideshows and trainings and a week-long boot camp and rotating through four different vans and doing work every single day, they bomb this quiz. That's telling. They don't know it's coming most of the time. They don't realize they're going to be quizzed on what they're learning. We don't. Some people know it. Most people don't. But that's kind of the point, right? Like You should know your job enough to pass an easy 20-question tw- uh, quiz. So that's after 30 days. So back to the review. The leads review them at the end of the week for a total of 80 points on their overall performance. Then they're given a 20-point quiz after 30 days. We take the four leads quizzes, or I'm sorry, the four leads reviews, and we average them out. So that way it's fair. You might have a really bad week where the technician just wasn't feeling it, wasn't paying attention, whatever. Everybody's got a bad week or day. You might have a bad week for the lead. He was just grumpy and just nobody could make him happy. And he just, we've all had those weeks and those days, right? It might just be that two people don't get along very well. They just oil and water kind of uh, relationship. We get those too, right? That's not going to completely derail somebody's career because you had a bad week or a bad day. So we average them out. You're with four different leads over the course of a month. Everybody gives this uh, review. We take their scores and we average them out for an average score. And it let me tell you, it works. We've had that happen where one lead is just out for this tech, just doesn't like him and gives him a terrible review. But everybody else gives him raving reviews. Now we know there's a problem somewhere. Either they don't get along or this lead's got a problem, right? But then when you average it out, he doesn't suffer that much. So it's fair. Once we average it out, we then have a total out of 80 points. So let's say we we get four different quizzes. One of them gets an 80, one of them gets a 60, one of them gets a 70, one gets a 75. We average it out and we get a total. Let's say it's 76.5, right? That's his total. Then he takes his quiz and he gets an 18. We then add the 76 to the 18 to get a total out of 100 points. That then dictates his raise. 
Let me go to that. We got to find it in this folder here as I'm clicking through. So we were trying to figure out how do we how do we base the raises? And we I like very simple. A lot of my clients when I'm talking to them and they know a lot of the process I've put in place is just because I want it to be simple. I don't want overcomplication. I want everybody to be able to understand it and it just makes life easy. Our raises are graded just like school. A 90 to 100, you get a dollar raise. This is out of a total. Your entire review from four different leads have been averaged. You took a quiz based on your knowledge. We add them together. What'd you get? If you get between a 90 and 100, you get a dollar raise after 30 days. If you get between an 80 and an 89, you get 75 cents. 70 to 79, you get 50. 60 to 69, no raise. That's a warning too. If you get somebody that across the board, four different leads gave bad reviews. Andy Bonder's review, he's probably not paying attention. Something's wrong. We got to do some re-coaching here. So no raise. And it's a uh, it's a red light or red flag to our, our training manager. Hey, we need to look into this guy more and see what's going on. If you get less than a 60, you get fired. That's an F. Like if after 30 days, everybody across the board says, uh-uh, and you can't pass your, your basic knowledge quiz, you have, you're have you not made out for Caesar Chimney. That's just the way it is. We've had to do that. And I remember the first time it happened, Max came in and he goes, John, you're not going to, you're, you're going to want to see this. I'm like, what? And he shows me the scores and I'm like, what is that? I said, let me see all of them. So we went back and looked at all of the technicians. And I'm like, which four technicians were this? Because I mean, it was, something's got to be wrong here. And it was four of our senior technicians, guys that they don't like, they don't pick favorites or, or, or pick on people. It's not like that. And not for all four of them to be across the board, say these things about this technician. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I looked at the quiz and the quiz was bombed. He said, they got, they got a 49 I'm like, 49, less than 60, you're fired. And it's the first time it ever happened. I'm like, 49. I was like, we got to let them go. And we did. And it was that quick. Like the the leads, I don't think they expected that because it had never happened before. But everybody had passed their leads in. We were having a good time. It was, a I can't remember if it was Friday or Monday. But <laughs> we're like, oh, okay. So-and-so has been let go. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, they didn't pass their reviews. And you could hear a pin drop. Because now they understood that those reviews and those quizzes mean something. I'm not going to keep pouring into you if you're not going to reciprocate. If you've been trained by all these people and you've heard all these things, we give you all these slideshows and trainings and boot camps. And after 30 days, we get that. I'm sorry, you just don't work out at Caesar Chimney. It's as simple as that. And the process keeps going. We then have a 60-day quiz and a 90-day quiz and a 120-day quiz. And... The, the same reviews happen every week so we can keep a pulse of what's going on on the field because we're not out there. We don't know what's happening. And of course, as you become the boss and, and you move up the food chain and you're up here and now I'm not in every van, the second I show up at a job, everybody snaps to you anyway. So it's not really me being at the job means nothing anymore because everybody works and I'm around. But when I leave, what's happening? We need to know that. Also, at the end of the week, we have a training uh I can't remember what Max calls it. Let me look in here. Training checklist. That's easy. Training checklist is we broke down some basic knowledge that everybody needs to know to do this job. So with a fireplace, we have it broken down to sweepings, damper, pargings, PCR, heat shield, top ceiling dampers, air and fire replacements, prior fire replacements, factory built fireplaces. Right. So we start out at the easiest thing you should know and work your way up to like full on replacements. Wood stoves, sweepings. Uh, the baffles, removing baffles, that's a tough one. Putting in a freestanding liner, putting in an insert liner, putting in a stove itself, doing stovepipe. Uh, 
Uh, when he gets to liners, like putting on the T-body, putting on the end cap, refractory sealing the snout, tile removal, putting on nose cones, uh, masonry, can you mix mortar? Can you mix sand? Can you repoint? Can you rebuild? Can you do crown coat? Can you do water sealing? Can you put on a cap? Like we have everything broken down here into our basic, basic tasks. And at the end of every week, the leads tell Max, our our technician manager, how are they doing? Like, what did they do this week? Well, we did uh, a liner and he really struggled with this. Okay. So we have a color coding. He goes into the spreadsheet for this technician. Let's say that technician's name is Bob, right? He went out and did fireplace sweepings this week. Uh, the lead goes, yeah, Bob was, uh, he was good. Like he worked hard. But when I went back and I checked on his fireplaces, they really weren't, weren't swept well. Like he missed a lot. Okay. He'll highlight that square red. Red means he still needs to be shown how to do it. Something's not right. We need to keep working on it. Fine. Um, how was he at uh, sweeping a wood stove? Oh, wood stoves were easy. He could really do that. It was a lot better. So we're going to give him a yellow. And we change the square to yellow. And we go through everything with that. What have they done? What do they still need work with? Uh, what have they been shown how to do? What have they done while supervised? And then green, when it's green, that means they have done it without supervision and it was checked and it was perfect. Well, not perfect, of course, but good. So we know that we can now, I can pull up every technician in our company, pull up this sheet and I can see what they still need work on, what they have mastered already. And we can now train better on that. We get someone that's getting ready to move up into being a floater, being a lead. We can pull this up and see exactly what they still need work on and then be intentional about that. Okay. We've got a class A chimney install coming up. Let's put him on that so we can get more training because he's still yellow on that. Like that's intentional. We're tracking it. Now we don't have the problem where we're not going to send him out on a sweeping, expecting him to just know how to sweep a fireplace and remove a damper and then have him sitting on the floor of the firebox with the homeowner staring at him like the technician from before. That doesn't happen anymore. Now we know what they can and can't do. So it makes the training even more intentional, but it doesn't stop there because we still want to have a handle on what they're learning aside from when the leads are out there uh, teaching on the fly during the jobs, right? So every Tuesday is training Tuesday. And Max has slideshow after slideshow he's put together for here's how you do a liner installation. Here's how you part a smoke chamber. Uh, here's the parts of a fireplace. And he'll quiz the technicians. They go in and they sit down in our training room. He pulls it up on the TV and he just goes through and he'll quiz them or teach them depending on what he's got going on just to keep it fresh. Because... I mean, at the end of the day, our job, chimney sweeps, chimney technicians job is to make it so that people can burn fire in their house, usually an open fire in the middle of their living room. On top of that, we have to deal with water coming in, ruining the roof and the, the walls and getting inside mold and mildew. And then even worse, we have toxic gases from these boilers that are venting through houses by people's bedrooms, right? This is not a job where you can just accidentally mess up and it's okay. We're in a job where if we don't do our job right, people can die. And I mean that 100%. We take that very, very seriously. All the time we hear about chimneys that were kind of swept and then caught fire or a boiler flue collapsed and CO poisoning and water getting in and wrecking homes. Like that's serious stuff. We're not going to half-ass that. We're just not. This is not a job where you can. It's not. I, anyway, <laughs> you get the point. So we treat it like that. We are going to overtrain you to the point that after six months of being at Caesar Chimney Service, most of my technicians after six months will know more than some people do after a year or two. 
because we drill it into their heads to the point that after six months, some people are ready to run a van. I say some people because we have in the past. Because we're like, okay, this guy's high speed. He's got all this information. Uh, let's send him out to get certified. He gets certified. He comes back six months. Like, get in a van. Let's go. I forget that there's so much to this job that the only way to get really good at this job is to do this job. <laughs> so we've actually reeled that in. We're now going to make it at least a year. Even if you're high speed and you're doing everything great and you aced all your quizzes and you're certified, that's great. We're still going to wait at least a year just so you can get more experience before we put you out there leading a the van. Because I want to be sure. It's always a process. We're always reinventing the wheel here to make sure it's running right. But still, that's weekly trainings. That's monthly reviews. That's weekly reviews. That's just keeping up on what they're learning to the point that by the time they do become a lead, they know exactly what they're doing. So that's pretty much, well, I, there's another step after that, which is QC. Because then when they do become a lead, they don't know everything. Just like you didn't either when you started running a van. A lot of us like to pretend we did. We didn't. So we keep up with that. Quality control is key. Uh, someone mentioned before, you know, I can never have somebody go out and do work without me standing over their shoulder. All I heard there is you're a bad trainer, honestly. If you're intentional about making them better and you pour into them and you train them and you you get them to that point, they're still going to screw up. Like I talked about in expectations, they're going to screw up. You have to know that just like you did when you first started. So quality control is key. Review their inspections, review their estimates, go back out and check on their jobs, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to. Interview the technicians the other way. Like it's all well and good that the leads get to review the technicians. Turn around once in a while, ask your technicians, how's the lead doing? Is he teaching you? Is he helping you? Is he is he talking down to you? Like, how is it working with him? We're thinking right now about doing it the other way. On Friday or on yeah, on Fridays when the, the leads are reviewing the text, the text reviewing the leads. I want to know. You got to have checks and balances because we've had leads come through here, some as recent as this year, that we didn't realize we're just demeaning the crap out of the technicians and just making everybody miserable and a cancer with the attitude and all of that stuff. We had no idea because no one reviews the leads. So you got to make sure you have that. But that's all quality control. You've got to inspect for what you expect every time. And be very intentional about your training. Don't think they're going to pick stuff up by osmosis. All the stuff that you've heard me talk about in this episode, we're still doing that to this day. We've been working on it for years and years. We're still having people that just aren't getting it, aren't picking it up, aren't understanding. As intentional as you can be, you still have to know that these people are human and they're doing a job using words most people have never heard, looking at places most people have never seen, explaining problems most people have never heard of. <laughs> so give them some grace. But that's all I got for this episode. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about pricing. And I know that everybody always loves a good money episode. Um, our pricing is is a, not so much the numbers, but why. Right? I can give you numbers all day long. Why do we have the numbers that we have and why do we do what we do? So tune in for that next week. Where we're going to talk about our pricing process. Have a great week and thank you for lending me your email.